repeat everybody. You need to unmute. There we go. No worries. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, so this, this is going to be a kind of a tour of the last two years of my uh, attempts at sobriety um, and kind of some of the, the books and podcasts and meetings and all other things um, that have kind of helped along the way. Um, so, yeah, it's been two years uh, since I've been given this sobriety thing a red hot go. Um, and I'm currently on day 134 um, of continuous sobriety to show you how that's going. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's um, I you know, like I, I know the kind of AA thing is to say, you know, to count your days exactly and, and um but but I don't know. I for me, I feel like the the two whole years is really part of the story. You know, like um, uh, the the shit I learned in the first kind of seven months of sobriety um, has absolutely helped um, this time around. Uh, so yeah, it was probably late twenty twenty one when I hit my first rock bottom, my first true rock bottom. Um, but it wasn't my last rock bottom. Um, I've been kind of playing with matches for many years um, until I finally decided to burn my life to the ground um, in late 2021. Um, and within a few months, I'd kind of lost everything, all my friends and um, and my family and a whole bunch of other things. Um, and I guess I should say trigger warning. I was, um, you know, I was pretty, pretty dark, pretty terrible, uh, time and, um, you know, uh, had a couple of suicidal thoughts and, and even attempted a couple of times. Um, but the weird thing was like, you know, I, I didn't go through with it, not because I didn't have the urge. I just didn't, I didn't want other people to know that I'd killed myself. You know, like I, I, every time I thought about it, it just felt too shameful, uh, too shameful to, to let people know that that's what had happened to me. So that was the only reason I kind of stayed alive, but you know, I, I didn't want to be alive, but I didn't want to kill myself either. So it was just basically, that's when I, I guess I graduated from problem drinker to full-blown alcoholic. Although, um, at the time, you know, I wouldn't have accepted that word and I didn't, um, didn't even believe that that was my actual issue. Um, I just thought I, you know, I was drinking too much and I needed to rein it in. Uh, but the one thing I knew more than anything at that time, um, was there was no way on earth you'd get me into an AA meeting. I, I just thought, fuck that. Like that there, there were, you know, in, in my mind, there were a bunch of crazy fundamentalist weirdos from, from America, um, and, you know, had nothing for me. Um, so yeah, when I, when I first started trying to, to help myself, um, cause I did it all by myself at first. Um, I, I joined this app called Daybreak. Um, and you know, look, I wouldn't recommend it to be honest, cause it's, it's only free for Australian users. And so if you're in Australia, yeah, maybe ch check it out. But um, I, I definitely wouldn't pay for this app. It's a 
terrible app in terms of like just um just technic technically wise it's a absolutely ugly looking app um but there you know it it basically is like an online forum for people who are trying to change the way they drink um and there was a lot of uh i don't know i i found some benefit in that in kind of like getting on every day and and um chatting with other people and seeing other people you know get some days up and seeing people fail and um i don't know there was there was that kind of community there and um but like i said i i'm really really um i don't know i i could not recommend it to people because it can be really really triggering and and awful at times um just because there's pretty much no moderation like people will say really fucking depressing stuff and if you're not in the right headspace it can really make you feel even worse i think um so anyway um but but for whatever reason that that became my kind of lifeline and and i started using that app quite a bit um and the next thing that i found in my i guess um was a podcast and and this is from australia as well it's called uh the sober awkward podcast i'll throw all of these links in um in some notes at the end of this by the way um but feel free to ask me in the chat as well um but yeah sober awkward uh is just a wonderful wonderful podcast um uh hosted by two expats so um yeah two two british women um who were living in australia and the the thing that really um was eye opening about that one was they actually made sobriety sound fun um like they 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 were really uh wonderful kind of uh, there, there was wonderful chemistry between the hosts the, the the show is still going but there's a new host now and and i don't know it's kind of lost the charm for me um the 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 original uh the yeah the I, I guess the chemistry between the the two original hosts was just wonderful and what what also made it super special for me at the time was uh um lucy which uh, one of the co-hosts and she's the one who's left she was very new to sobriety as well so there were quite a few times where um you know she'd be really quite raw about some new thing that had just happened or like you know her first christmas or her first birthday um sober um you, you really got these kind of you know in real time uh raw versions of of how she was feeling and and that i i found that really really um uh uh powerful so i don't know if, if you want to check out sober awkward i think they're up to like episode 200 now um but yeah i would definitely recommend going right back to the start and listening from the first episodes because um yeah the, i just think the chemistry is wonderful between the 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 original hosts um yeah so so really that they were the two main things um like i said i was doing it completely um by myself and and I, you know, I was in that period where I, I just didn't want to ask for help. I didn't, you know, th that was the next level of being an, an alky is, is like having to ask someone else for help. Um, and, and so these two things were, you know, things I could hide on my phone. No one knew that I was listening to a sober podcast and nobody knew that I was browsing a sober forum at work when I was doing it on my phone. Um, and so, yeah, so, so they were 
they, they were those two kind of anchors when I first started. And, and I, I think from there I got into quit lit, which I only realized a little while ago is not a term that is universally known in the, in the sober community. So quit lit is quit literature. Um, I thought everyone knew that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I got into a whole bunch of, oh, my cat wants to interrupt. Sorry. Um, I got into a whole bunch of, um, quit lit at the time. Um, and yeah, the, the, the first book that really, really helped and, and for all of this, by the way, I used a Kindle. Um, I think that that was probably the, um, one of the best, uh, purchases in my recovery was the Kindle and the cat. Um, they, they've, they've served different purposes, but, um, uh, yeah, the Kindle really, um, you know, was just, again, it was, it was being able to read those things without anyone else knowing what I was reading. Cause I was reading some pretty fucking dark stuff. Um, and I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to be one of those guys reading the big book on the train, uh, you know, but if you're reading it on a Kindle, no one knows. Um, but anyway, uh, I, yeah, so I, the, the first big book that really, really, not big book, uh, the first book that really got to me was um, Annie Grace, um, which was what uh, This Naked Mind, um, which I really, really loved it. It, uh, it just kind of explained uh, really simply in really simple terms, kind of like how she, you know, decided, fuck, I've got a problem. Um, and here's how I'm going to deal with it. Um, and it's funny actually now I've seen now that like, um, any, um, pun intended has kind of fallen out of grace. Um, recently, like people think that she's, um, I've seen people describe her as too American or too self-helpy or, you know, um, or too, you know, toxic positivity and shit like that. Um, and she might be on YouTube. Uh, I know she's got like a whole YouTube empire these days. And, um, but I, I've never really kind of delved into that side of her. Um, but I do think her, her book, uh, this naked mind is really fucking great. So, um, yeah, check it out if you, if you haven't read it yet. Um, and if you're, um, kind of new to this, um, these days, everyone seems to, uh, uh, recommend alcohol explained by William Porter, um, which I actually found to be really a bit too dry. Um, so I don't know, you know, um, we're, we're all, you know, unique snowflakes. So, um, you know, we'll check them both out and see which one, um, you, you bond with more, but, uh, yeah, for me, uh, this naked mind was just a little bit more fun to read, I think. Um, and again, that that's kind of what I was really looking for at that point of like, I was so terrified that like, um, you know, being sober would be the most boring thing in the world that, um, anyone who could kind of describe sobriety with a little bit of fucking fun, um, that that's what I was kind of looking for. And it, it kind of shows in some of the, the titles I ended up reading after that. So, um, Glorious Rock Bottom uh, was another book that I really, really enjoyed. Um, again, kind of um, had a really fun and uh, really good sense of humor when it came to recovery. So it starts in a detox and, um, and you know, there, look, there's some absolutely, you know, terrifying bits in it but um but she she maintains a um you know a positive outlook and and a sense of humor throughout the whole thing um there's the uh unexpected joy of being sober um uh i enjoyed that didn't like the ending but eh. um anyway uh uh high sobriety was another one that's that's by an australian uh author 
um, uh, that uh, that's quite good. It's a very very quick read. Uh, we are the luckiest. Yeah, I'm starting to get into that kind of too American, too self helpy kind of with that one, but but still still a nice title. Um, the one I really love these days, um, and it's absolutely not fun in any way, um, which maybe shows where I am these days in my sobriety, but um, uh, is a book called Drinking a Love Story. And uh, that that is just so well written, like one of the best books I've read, um, full stop. Um, and just just an incredible look at um, sobriety and um, and kind of high functioning alcoholism and um, just how good denial can be, how strong denial can be. Um, yeah, so drinking a love story. If, if there's one book that you take from from this talk, um, yeah, definitely get that one on your list. Um, I, I I just absolutely loved it. Um, I even read uh, there, there was uh, an Iron Man um, set of comics uh, where Tony Stark realizes he's an alcoholic. Um, I think it was like a four comic series. Um, and I even tracked that one down and threw it on the iPad. And, and, and that was quite entertaining as well. Um, it was very, uh, you know, very 60s and very sexist, but um, still pretty amazing to to read a, a comic about, um, you know, an alcoholic. Um, so so that, that was good fun. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so that was, th th they were all the things that kind of um, helped along the way as I was, determined to kind of get sober all by myself and not, not have anyone else kind of um, not join any meetings and do any of that kind of stuff. And that lasted for a little while. Um, I ended up doing a, um, uh, a home detox. Uh, so it was a six week detox. Um, but yeah, completely, completely at home, completely over zoom. Uh, it was nine to five uh, every weekday. Um, and they, they did have a kind of harm minimization bent to the whole thing. Um, but they did ask you to stay sober throughout the six weeks of the program. Um, and, and I, when I, when I signed up, I was about a week sober. Um, I mean, I'd signed up months before, but there was a wait list. Um, but by the time it came around, yeah, I'd been about a, uh, sober for a week. Um, and so I joined this six week program and, it was hilarious because it was like, like I said, they they wanted you to stay sober throughout the whole thing, and and I did, but it wasn't because, um, I reckon looking back, like I stayed sober throughout the whole thing because at the time I was such a fucking people pleaser and such a teacher's pet that I wanted to make sure that I smashed fucking this, this uh, course better than anyone. You know, I was going to be the, the sober little boy who got the gold star at the end of the course. Um, and so, you know, th that was my main motivation to stay sober th throughout the six weeks. And yeah, and so I did, and that went well. And in the last week of the detox, um, Somehow, like by that stage, I'd been unemployed for a couple of months and I, I was pretty sure I was unemployable. Um, and towards, yeah, in, in the last week of that detox, um, I ended up getting this job uh, uh, that was a very well-paid job and, um, yeah, working in a hospital and I don't know, um, just so, yeah, I'd completed this 
this six week course completely sober. I'd gotten all my gold stars from, you know, all, all of the teachers that said, Oh, what a, what a, you know, great little participant I'd been. And, and then I got this fucking job. So like I was cured. It was great. You know, it was fucking couldn't be better. Um, and, and so, yeah, I went straight back to this, this, you know, very stressful, um, high paid job and I was just losing my mind. And, you know, like, you know, these days I, I know, cause I have been to AA now, spoiler. Um, but these days, like, you know, I know that the AAs would say that I was a dry drunk at this point and I was white knuckling it. And I fucking hate both of those expressions. Um, there's like, I, I get where they're coming from, but, but I, I, I just think that there's so much language in AA that is really unhelpful sometimes um, that kind of others you, unless you're fully into the program. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, un by their definition, I was dry drunking, um, or dry drinking, I don't know, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, I was a fucking mess either way. So I was going to the, going to work every day and I was just like, I, I was the, you know, the best little worker you could ever meet, um, super polite on time every morning. And then I just, you know, walk into the fire escape and have a 10 minute cry and then just get back to my desk and, and, you know, send some email and, you know, <laughs> so I was not, I was not, um, doing well at all, but, um, but I thought that I was kind of, at least I was getting back into society and I kind of felt that, um, society would kind of cure me in that way. And, and I, I at that point I was, I was attending smart recovery meetings, um, which again has that real harm minimization kind of bent to it. Um, and I'd, <laughs> I'd go to these meetings and, um, you know, at, at that point I was still not drinking because I thought, you know, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, sober until I know that I can drink like a normal person again. And so I was going to these smart recovery meetings and I'd see these people show up and, you know, there'd be the drunk guy who would get on, on the Zoom each week and he'd say how, oh, you know, I, I tried to have a couple of days off this week, but I didn't do it. And I'd be drinking every day. And I'd, and I'd sit there and I'd think, like, I was insane, right? I was fully fucking insane. And I'd sit there and think, ah, oh, you poor bastard. Ah, oh, mate, moderation is not for you, mate. Like, and, you know, and uh, I had no kind of um, self-awareness at that point, Um but yeah, the the whole time I just kept thinking like, you know, um, I'll, I'll just keep I'll just keep going to work and and I even went to a couple of work functions where there was booze everywhere and and I drank my alcohol free beer and and um and I was surprised that like no one noticed no one seemed to give a shit because um, I thought that was going to be a like especially Australia's got such a massive drinking culture um, as I'm sure Ireland does as well but um you know so I I was sure that everyone was going to be staring at me for, for being on the no alcohol beers, but no one gave a shit at all. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I just kept kind of thinking like, you know, one day I'll get around to drinking once, once I, once I'm, you know, um, I'm confident in myself that I can do that. Um, and then one day, like I, I was cleaning up the apartment and I'd had a whole bunch of like big Amazon boxes that I hadn't gone through. Um, and I was opening one of them and in there was this like super expensive bottle of scotch that I had bought 
um, I'd must have bought like months ago and forgot about. And so I pulled it out and I was like, oh, um, and you know, the the thinking part of my brain was like, I should probably throw that out. But the other part of my brain was like, oh no, I'll save that for a special occasion. That'll be that'll be the whiskey that I have. Cause I mean, you can't throw out a really expensive bottle of whiskey and and like and like alcoholics don't drink really expensive whiskey. I mean, fucking hell. Like, you know, they they drink, you know, shit in paper bags. Not 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 this. This is super fancy. Um, so I put it up on my shelf and, and I thought, yeah, like one day when the special time comes and I'm, and, and I'm ready to be a moderate drinker again, um, I'll go for that bottle. And from that moment on, I just kept fucking thinking about it. Like I just, it was just every day I was like, I think today's the day today must be the day. Yeah. 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 And it was just like, yeah, the fucking complete, like I, I'd be at work and I'd be thinking about that bottle back in my, in my kitchen. Um, anyway, so, you know, all know how this story ends. Um, one day I got home and it was a Wednesday or something. And so that was the special occasion. Um, and so I opened it up and, um, and I had, you know, um, uh, I had one glass that I was swirling around and, and, and first of all, it hit me, fuck me, dead whiskey tastes disgusting. But, you know, like like in my head, I was like, oh, I'm so sophisticated, I drink whiskey neat, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was just awful. It tasted disgusting. Um, but but I still drank it. And then, you know, the next morning, like half the bottle was gone. Um, and, you know, I didn't immediately fall back into drinking straight away. But um, but But within a couple of weeks it was like I was drinking really heavily on the weekends again. And then we were getting close to Christmas and I was going up to see my family for Christmas and they're a bunch of piss heads. Um, uh, Mark, remind me that I said that. <laughs> but they are, they're a bunch of piss heads. Um, and so I was, um, you know, I was, and so I thought, look, fuck it. You know, when I, when I go to Sydney, I just, I'm just going to accept the fact that I'm like the second I get on the plane, I'm going to start drinking and I'm not going to stop until I get back on the plane home. Um, and that's what I did. And I drank the whole time I was up in Christmas, uh, up in Sydney for Christmas. And, um, and I was, you know, no one, no one really kind of, um, noticed, um, because they're all piss heads, like I said. So, you know, it's very, and you know, Christmas time, it's really, really easy as we have all just experienced to be a full blown alcoholic and, and just no one notices because there are Christmas parties every day. And, um, you know, and again, especially in Australia, um, you know, drinking 15 beers on Christmas day is, is considered normal. That's, that's just like, we're a binge drinking nation. Um, so anyway, yeah. So, so that was last Christmas and I got back and, I'd been a total fucking nutcase in my job. And I'd, I'd known that, like I said, like I, you know, even though I was sober for about 90% of the, the time that I was working there, I, I, I just knew that I, I must've been giving off like crazy person vibes. Um, and so I got, uh, at the start of the year, I got, um, headhunted by this other company and, you know, and that classic kind of um, addicted thinking, I was like, well, yeah, this is fucking great. Like, um, I'll just take that, this new job where no one knows that I'm a nutcase 
Um, and and that'll be great. That'll, that'll fix me. You know, I thought the last job would fix me, but it didn't. But this new job certainly will fix me. So I, I took this new job and and I worked there for a couple of months. And I, and again, I was completely sober for the first couple of months that I was there. Um, but getting even more and more crazy, like just really, really nuts. Um, oh, there's my cat. Um, and it all like, it all came to a head on Easter weekend. Um, yeah, fucking Catholics, eh? Um, uh, but yeah, it, it all came to a head and I, I got super, super drunk one night and just, um, said a whole bunch of crazy stuff, um, on, on teams on that chat program and, um, you know, uh, very quickly was out of a, out of that job. And because my family was in Sydney, no one knew at the time that I'd kind of lost my job and, um, and I had enough money in the bank cause they were paying me crazy well, um, that I could basically just like at that point, I just thought, well, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm done. Um, I'm just going to drink myself to death. Like I, I full on had that kind of leaving Las Vegas fucking mindset of like, well, that's it. This is, you know, not long, not long for this planet now. And so I was just kind of like, that's what I was doing. And I was, yeah, that was probably the darkest time of my life. Um, and I, you know, for, for, for weeks, months, actually months, I did not leave the house at all. Um, and every couple of days, um, an Uber Eats guy would come and drop off a bunch of beer and whiskey, um, uh, or cigarettes. Um, and I, you know, it got to the point where like, I, I was recognizing the drivers and that was fucking embarrassing, but like, I wouldn't even, at that point, I wouldn't even, I, I was so fucking ashamed. I wouldn't even look them in the eye. Like you have to show your ID in this country, even if you look like me. Um, and so when they, when they'd show up, I'd just like hand my ID out the door, um, and then wait for them to kind of knock again to say that they had dropped off the drinks and then I, you know, bring the drinks in and yeah, I, I wouldn't even make contact. I wouldn't even speak to them. And so, yeah, for months there, I wasn't even speaking to anyone, leaving the house, doing anything but smoking or drinking and, um, and every now and again, and, and, and I was just like, you know, it, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, I, I had like a vomit bucket beside the, the couch that I'd use every couple of days. Um, and it was so rote, like it was just so, such a kind of, oh, time for a vomit. And I'd lean over and vomit for a bit and then, all right, get back to drinking. Um, and, you know, and then, and then I'd be like, you know, I, every, every couple of days I'd be like, fuck, I'm hungry. Jesus Christ. Um, and so then I'd open up Uber Eats and I'd scroll through to see when was the last time I had food delivered? And I'd scroll, scroll, scroll and be like, you know, bottle shop, bottle shop, bottle shop, bottle shop, bottle shop. Oh, McDonald's. Oh, hang on. So that McDonald's was six days ago. So yeah, I probably should eat again. Um, and that's how I was tracking, like, you know, what my food was. Um, so anyway, 
finally, um, one of someone in my sister gave me a call, um, and and just kind of heard how fucking messed up I was because I was just beyond the point of kind of hiding it at that point. Um, and obviously she was really, really concerned. Um, and she really begged me to go to a hospital. And, and funnily enough, at that point, I'd been to a hospital to an emergency room three times. Um, not by my own, um, yeah, never, never my own kind of, uh, reason um basically uh my neighbors um kept putting in welfare checks because they'd hear me like crying or screaming or whatever um and so three different times i ended up in an emergency room and three different times i waited for like six hours and hadn't been seen and then just kind of wandered home and you know i don't know no one was out the you know no one noticed when i walked out of the emergency room so i just I, I just went home. Um, but yeah, my, my sister kept begging me to, to go to hospital and my sister and my uncle who I, I've never really been that close with, but you know, God bless him. He, he spent so many, so many nights on the phone with me, just listening to my ridiculous fucking, you know, whining and shit. And I mean, heart of gold, this guy, um, you know, the amount of times I bought, bought him shitless with like, you know, my, my drunken thoughts on, on the works of David Bowie and like how it spoke to me and fucking, Oh, the poor guy. Um, but anyway, they, they all listened and, um, and kept be begging me to go to a hospital. And so I did. Um, and yeah, this time I actually sat in the emergency room and I didn't leave. Um, and eventually, um, they picked me up and, um, and took me to a psych ward, which was not something I had on my, you know, to-do list. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't on my, you know, uh, vision board for the future, but, um, so I went down there and I mean, the, the, the nice thing was, um, you know, it finally, I finally had a chance to kind of sober up and, um, and do that medically detox. Cause I'd, I'd sobered up a couple of times, um, throughout that period and every time, you know, the full sweats and the, you know, you know, the physical side of things. Um, but yeah, so it was a medically, you know, a medically supervised detox and, and, and then I kind of, you know, found myself in this psych ward and, um, and I used to be a journalist. And so, you know, part of me, immediately flipped to this like fucking journalism mode of like, you know, Oh, this is, this will be an interesting story. You know, like, and, and I, I started like, uh, you know, that was the way I detached myself of like, I'm not here because I'm a fucking, I I'm going through a mental breakdown. I'm here as a, as an interesting fact finding mission, you know? And so I started like, you know, paying attention to everything and, Oh, this is interesting how they do this. And, and I was just fucking happy to be eating again, to be honest. Like, um, so so yeah, they, they kept, um, you know, they kept saying to me, uh, like kept basically trying to kick me out. Um, cause I was too sane to be in the psych ward. Um, but I was just like, look, you can't, you can't kick me out. Cause if I go out, I'm, I'm just fucked. Like, uh, I, I'm going to go back to my house and I'm going to keep drinking and, um, I'm fucked. And they, 
you know, and, and so I just kept refusing to leave. Um, and so, so I kept having these like different, um, meetings with various psychiatrists, um, from the hospital. And at one point I'm sitting there with this, um, and so, you know, they did all these, you know, um, tests and examinations, whatever on me. Um, and at one point I'm, I'm there with the fucking head of psychiatry for this hospital and I'm just begging him. I'm like, just tell me, like, give me a fucking diagnosis. What is wrong with me? You know, like, do I have bipolar? Am I a fucking narcissist? Am I like, oh, just give me a fucking thing that I can understand because I'm insane. I'm clearly insane. And he's, he was like, it says it on the piece of paper in your hand, Peter. Um, and, you know, I picked it up and, and it says, you know, alcohol use disorder. Um, and I was like, yeah, I know I drink. I know I drink, but that's because I'm insane. Like, tell me why I'm insane. And he's like, well, here's your drink. <laughs> you're drinking too much. Like, you're, you'd be fine if you put the drink down. Um, and I was so fucking in denial that I was like, no, there has to be something else. Like, what is it? What is it? Uh, anyway, so, you know, I, I went from there to this, like, they they put me in this kind of, like, community house thing that was wonderful. Like, it was such a nice place. Um uh, that had so much therapy and, um, and really, really lovely people. Um, and, uh, when I was there, um, you know, same thing, I kept begging them to tell me what was wrong with me. And they kept saying alcohol use disorder. And I kept thinking there must be something else. And, um, anyway, so I got out I finally got out. So by that stage, I'd been in, in a hospital or a halfway house for like four weeks. Um, and sober that for that whole four weeks. So yay. Um, and I got home and remembered that there was still some weed in my bedroom. Um, and I thought, well, you know, they didn't say I had weed, um, use disorder. So, so I started smoking weed straight away. And of course, within a couple of days I was drinking again. And, um, so yeah, four weeks of, of good work pretty much down the toilet. Um, but at least at that point I had the kind of fucking, by that stage I'd, you know, I'd seen through my own bullshit. Um, so it only took that time. It only took me two weeks to actually finally call some, you know, put the wheels back in motion and go straight to a detox. Um, and funnily enough, actually the detox had a huge waiting list, um, cause I don't have any insurance or anything. So yeah, using the public system, they had, they had a huge wait list and, um, and I was begging them. I was on the phone saying, look, no, I can't wait that long. Like I'll be dead if I have to wait that long. And they said, well, you know, if, if you, if you came from a, a psychiatric unit, you get in straight away. And I was like, great, thank you. And I hung up and I called up the psych ward again and I said, Hey guys, put a bed aside. I'm coming back. And um, so I went straight back to the psych ward and got in there and just went, yep. Um, and you know, from the psych ward, I called back the detox and said, right, I'm in the psych ward now. You got to take me. And so they did. Um, so anyway, yeah, I went to the detox. Um, this is, I'm going on way too long. Sorry about this. Um, yeah, got to the detox. Um, and, and I had that same fucking freak out of like, but what am I going to do when, like, I'm great when I'm in these areas when I'm supervised, but when I'm left to my own devices, I'm fucked. So I was terrified. Um, 
And then, when, you know, of course, when I was in there, the detox, it, it was purely just a place to dry out. So it wasn't, you know, there, there weren't a whole lot of activities or anything like that. But um, but they did have visits from AA. And um, so, yeah, so these AA people came along and, and, and I still hated AA with a passion. I still thought they were a bunch of crazy, you know, fundies uh, from America. Um and but they came along anyway and and I went to their their presentation and and I got actually I got really really pissed off at one point because I was like asking all these questions again the journalist in me kind of jumped out and I was you know what about this and what about that and blah um and and I didn't feel that their answers were good enough um and especially like I'd asked well what about the 13th step like and the the person from AA was like oh I've never heard of that and in my mind, I was like, fuck off. You haven't heard of the 13th step. I mean, I it, like I've seen a documentary called the 13th step. There's a podcast called the 13th step. Don't tell me you don't know about that anyway. So that, that was me being crazy and, and thinking, no, these guys are fucked. They can't even admit to their faults. Um, but I was so like, yeah, by the time I got home, I was just so strung out and I just did not want to have to go back to a psych ward and a detox. And, and I'd put my name down for a rehab, but again, being in the public system, I had to wait. Um, I was on a 12 week wait list for that. And I thought, how the fuck am I going to survive 12 weeks? Um, and for the first couple of days, I just spent the whole time under the doona. Um, and I started watching a bunch of crap TV and, um, just to get out of my head for a while. And then finally I went to an AA meeting and, you know, I still don't, well, I still have issues with AA, but I have found that just getting to the meetings has been really, really good for me. Um, and, you know, and, but God, there were some frustrating things. Those first couple of meetings, like, you know, I went to a bunch of, I, I hate the ID style meeting, even though, which is ironic because right now I guess I'm doing an ID, but, um, but yeah, I hated those ID meetings because I were just, you know, hearing the same old guy telling the same old story every week, um, was not for me. Um, so I started going to these like beginner meetings and topic meetings and things. And for the beginner meetings, especially every time I'd go there, like, you know, basically my question was, yeah, but what about the God thing? Like, you know, I'm, I'm agnostic. How the, how do I get past the God thing? Um, and what was so frustrating is like so many times I'd asked that question. I went to so many different meetings because I had been told by that person who came to the detox, like, please go to at least more than one meeting because I bet you you'll hate your first one. So at least go to, go to a second one before you give up. Um, and so I thought, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go shopping because I live in a big city and, and, you know, there's, there, there were meetings just everywhere around me. So I thought, you know, look, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll test out a bunch and, and I'll see which ones are, um, aren't too crazy. And so I'd ask at these meetings, like, yeah, what about the God stuff? And they'd go, all right, yeah, yeah, cool. And, you know, they, they'd ask other people in the room to answer that question. And I realized now that I've been there a while and I've seen other people ask the same question, the people they would ask, they would never ask the fucking atheist in the room or, or the agnostic in the room how they thought about it. Um, they'd always ask someone who would say, well, I've always believed in God. And it's like, well, that's not helpful. Like, what I'm asking is, like, how 
as a person who doesn't believe in God, how do I square that circle? Um, and anyway, um, so yeah, I, I found though that there are in, even in the most kind of religious AAs that I've been to, that there's always like the three or four secret agnostics or atheists in the room. Um, and whenever I say something about eh, not really believing in God all that much, someone will always come up to me and thank me afterwards. Um, but I still do. Yeah. I still do get kind of, like I said, there, I think there is something really, really important. Um, as much as I love the zooms, um, about that kind of human contact, that, that in-person contact. So I have continued to go to AAs, even though, um, I disagree with a whole bunch of stuff and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still, you know, I still enjoy the cuppers and I still enjoy the chats. Um, and, and what kept me sane for those first couple of weeks is I was going to a bunch of secular AA at the same time. Um, but in Australia, there's only secular AA on Zoom. Um, and so I was going to these secular AA meetings, but what I found for those were because Australia is so tiny and because AA is actually super tiny in Australia, like it's, it's basically only American and Canadian, you know, the rest of the world couldn't give a fuck about AA. Um, but yeah, so in, in, in Australia, it's, it's a really, really small community. And so the secular version of AA is even tinier. And so it would be the same kind of faces. And it seemed to be, um, and it, you know, no offense to if, if someone is on the meeting here from secular AA in Australia, but it seemed to be like the meetings were all about not believing in God first and then recovery second, like, they, they, there was a lot of kind of like, ah, uh, you know, I'll, and, and I was doing it too. Like a lot of bitching about the kind of fundament, fundamentalists within AA and then a little bit about recovery afterwards. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I've, I've really fallen in love with uh, Tusnua, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, and, and some of the um, secular ones uh, from America, some of the secular meetings I've found in America as well. Um, just because, yeah, it, they, they seem to be less about, hey, we're atheists and we're proud. Like, great. That's fine. I'm not even an atheist. I'm fucking agnostic. Like, that should not be a, you know, that's like piss weak atheism. Like, that, should, <laughs> that shouldn't offend anyone. Um, but, you know, um, anyway, um, so, so I, I found that, yeah, the, the, the places that talk about recovery first, but without that need for the, the higher power so much is kind of the place that I find feel most comfortable. And from there, you know, I did fi finally get a copy of staying sober without God. And, you know, that even that title alone made me think, Oh, this, I bet you this is going to be like hardcore atheist. Um, but it's not, it's, it's basically, if you haven't read staying sober without God, it's fucking what the big book should be in 2023. Like it's just, you know, the big book, the 12 steps as written by a psychologist um, who doesn't think that you need to believe in a God to get sober? Like, how is that a groundbreaking, you know, scary thought? Um, so yeah, so I've really, really, um, uh, enjoyed that. And I, I, am doing these steps and I'm up to step nine. Um, and you know, I've been completely open with my, my sponsor who is, um, who is 
you know, traditional AA. He's very much, he definitely believes in a higher power, but he is cool with me not having one um, or not, at least not knowing what the fuck if, if I, you know, like I'm an agnostic again, it's not like I don't hate the idea of God. I just don't know if there is one. Um, and he's totally cool with that. And, and he knows that I'm using secular texts and not the big book and, and he's supportive if that with that. And so that's really, really, really good for me. And, and so, yeah, I found this weird kind of niche for me, um, like I, I still feel it's a little bit weird. Like I feel that AA still has this kind of like don't ask, don't tell when it comes to, you know, atheism or agnosticism, which is just really disappointing in the year 2023. But it is what it is. And, um, you know, I still show up. I still drink the tea. I still get the hugs and I still eat the Tim Tams. And, um, and that for me is what I get out of the in-person AA. Um I was supposed to talk about some more film and TV and I can say I'm almost out of time. So I'm just going to quickly mention single drunk female, I think did more to get me in the rooms than anything else. It's such a wonderful show. Um, it made the New York times best TV for 2023. So of course it got fucking canceled. Um, so it only had two seasons before it got canceled. Um, but it is absolutely wonderful. And because it got canceled, you can't even stream it anymore. Disney has taken it off their, um, off their streaming channels. Um, so you have my permission to steal it. Um, uh, so steal it from wherever you steal good TV. It is wonderful. It is such a, um, yeah, such a lovely way of looking at, um, recovery. Um, and I'd highly recommend that. There's also a show called the dry, um, which is an Irish comedy about a woman who moves back to Ireland from, uh, London, um, and her trying, trying to find her, her way in AA, um, it's not as polished as single drunk female and the plot points are probably a bit more obvious, but, um, especially if you, if you like what I think it does really, really well is it gets that uncomfortableness of like being the one sober person in a, in a family full of piss heads. Um, it does that really, really well of like everyone else kind of eggshelling around you of like, fuck, are we allowed to drink in front of you? Yeah, you're allowed to drink it from me. It's fine. Um, so yeah, it, it does that really, really well. And it's it's quite lovely. So I I checked that out. Um, and the other TV that just got me through my darkest time, um, nothing to do with recovery at all, but Superstore is on Netflix. It's fucking lovely. It is just so wonderful. It's surprising how lovely and pro-union and progressive it is for a show from America. <laughs> no offense to Americans. Um, and also our flag means death which is just the sweetest little thing. Um, and, you know, I cried at so many episodes of that, even though it's a comedy, it's fucking wonderful. Um, and it has a lot to do with kind of, you know, past trauma and getting over trauma and stuff like that. So anyway, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I didn't even get through my apps, but eh, whatever. Look, um, I absolutely love staying sober without God. I read Beyond Belief every morning. Uh, I do use the gratitude uh, I do, I have a gratitude app that I do my gratitude list every night. And that I really do think is helpful. Um, especially if your brain is just, um, only seeing negatives for a while, just to, to, just to, you know, spend some time each night writing out some positives is a li really lovely way to kind of set your mind straight before you go to bed. And I have been using insight timer, which is on Android and iOS and is free, um, and there, there are some really great meditations in there for, um, meditations, um, about, um, 
staying sober um, that are quite helpful to listen to. And I just listen to ones that are like positive affirmations to go to sleep to at night. Um, and uh, just a, a hint on that one, if you, if you find a positive affirmation um, that you like, um, uh, listen to the same one every night for a couple of uh, nights and then you'll fall asleep immediately because your brain will start hearing that and going, oh, I fall asleep to this and you'll fall asleep to it. So anyway, um, there's some, there's some things that have gotten me through, um, this now 134 days of sobriety in my current streak. So fuck, I've talked for a while. Um, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, Mark, how you doing? 